Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show. And here he is, Larry Rosenthal himself, in studio on this Memorial Day weekend. You know, Larry, just before we get started, I just want to... Shout out to our to our veterans and those who, of course, paid the ultimate cost this Memorial Day weekend for, you know, thank you so much for your service. Without a doubt, Chris, we appreciate everybody's uh, service, uh, active, retired, and the families as well. And uh, special prayer for, for all of them and for the people who have paid the, the ultimate sacrifice for our nation, too. Uh, what a great nation and uh, great military service. A- absolutely. So praise the Lord and to, to for uh, for America and our and our armed forces as well. So Amen definitely. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Making Money Sense Larry Rosenthal Show. Here we always start the show off with what happened this past week in the markets, the economy, little blurbs here and there on it all, and basically the markets are trading on on the tariff talk and geopolitical information now. You know, markets went went a little sideways this past week. No big deal. You know, again, Wall Street needs clarity of direction. I, I say that all the time, and it is so true. And with the waters being muddied a little bit with the tariff talk on and off and changing this and changing that and blah, 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 you know, Wall Street's just sitting back waiting to see what's happening. And then the the uh, summit meeting with uh, North Korea and President Trump on, off, on, off. You know, again, people just waiting to see exactly what happens how it's going to affect different things like that. So yeah, it's diplomacy and negotiation. Yeah. yeah, so so you know you have this from time to time. You have geopolitical risk. It's always one of the things that we look at when when we break down the economy each month. We we do take a look at what's going on on the geopolitical landscape and we get different reports on that because it is part of what affects economies uh, which then affects markets, uh, you know, around the world. So uh, stay tuned. We'll we'll see what happens in the coming weeks when uh, when all this stuff gets settled out, and then we'll we'll be going from there. You know, and and when there's ev- when there's whenever there's change, you know, geopolitically or 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 uh, taxes, hence tariffs, things like that. You know, money's going to seek its place on the planet that gets the best rate of return given the risk level that the, that the money's willing to accept. And that's what we're going to find out here in the, in the coming weeks. You know, it might be a month or so down the road before we get all the tariffs uh, situation settled out. And then, you know, mon- money will move in, in the appropriate spot. So just stay tuned and, and make sure you stay diversified and, and keep a watch on it all. So, But uh, pretty optimistic here from, from uh, 
the economy standpoint going forward. Interest rates are continuing to climb a little bit. Mortgage rates have re reached now a, a, a high for over the last seven years. So, so uh, you'll, you'll see mortgage rates probably continue to push up a little bit, especially as the Fed uh, anticipates raising more rates down the road and, and the 10-year bond continuing to rise a little bit. So it's Days of refinance are over for a while, aren't they? Not necessarily, you know, the, the days of refinancing. It depends on, you know, where, where your mortgage rate is. You know, there, there are people that, that were uh, uh, purchased homes at a higher interest rate before the financial crisis, and maybe their homes have come back now where they've got equity inside of it, and they could possibly refinance out of that too. Mm -hmm. So it's not as prevalent as it used to be, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, see how that goes down the road. And, you know, and there's a lot of information now with the new – tax cuts, Chris, and everything, you, since you brought up on on uh, refinancing and stuff, we can just jump right into as well. You know, there's lots of new rules involved in the financing of, of a new home under the new, new tax benefits, uh, new tax program and stuff. You know, it used to be that the interest, uh, you were able to write off the interest that was attributable to a million-dollar loan. So just the portion on the million dollars of interest was, was tax deductible. Now it's dropped down to 750000 And uh, it's, it's basically a cap for, for people, uh, you know, adding all their homes together, uh, you know, if they have a couple of different homes, things like that. And, and another, another scenario here with uh, the, the new tax rules on interest is obviously a, a home equity line of credit uh, uh, is, is not tax deductible. And it used to be before that if you had your home paid for and then you went to take a loan, some a lot of people were able to write off that interest. Now you're not because it's definitely going to original acquisition cost of the of the mortgage is what's deductible to you. So keep an eye on that, and uh, you know it, it, it'll affect a few people. You know, sort of a, a little tiny piece of it, but not a not a major thing when it comes uh, comes to it all across the nation as far as that goes. So uh, anyway, hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Let's open up our lines here on this Memorial Day weekend in in uh, uh, 2018. Let's give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Give us a call today. We're going to do open line Saturday. Any subject matter at all that you have, I've got a lot of educational material today that we're going to be going over that's going to help you look into your investments and sort of understand what's going on. But give us a call with anything on your mind at all, whether it's your 401k, the government TSP, what happens in with uh, interest rates in, in the economy. Directions to Larry's Barbecue. Yep, directions to the old barbecue, that's for sure, Chris. Give us a call if you have questions on estate planning, insurance needs, mutual funds, stocks, whatever it may be. 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphan 
open to our high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 703- 201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're listening to the Larry show making money sense if you'd like to dial in here's a phone number for you 855-767-3123 to talk to larry rosenthal our financial and retirement expert here in studio that's 855-767-3123 larry sure chris we're going to be rolling out all kinds of educational uh information today i just got a whole list of it all it uh, people ask all the time about all the different ratios and what should I be looking at in my mutual fund? And how do I grade all the different things in my 401k, my choices? How do I, how do I check on all this stuff? Is, is it good, bad, and different? What do all these numbers mean? So, you know, I thought, you know what? I, I get this all the time. And so I want to just come in here and talk a little bit about a handful of things that you want to look at in different sectors. Take a look at different, different ways that you can sort of look at your mutual funds, your ETFs your overall portfolios, if it's just individual stocks. You know, you can take a look. If you have, if you just have individual stocks in your portfolio, which, which, which a lot of people do, so let's say, let's say you have 15 different stocks in your portfolio or 35. It doesn't really matter. You take the collective performance of that portfolio, and you can compare it against the benchmarks, like maybe the NASDAQ or the, or the Russell 2000 or the S&P 500. So, so how are you comparing against what are you looking at, you know? And, and one of the things that you can, you can pretty, pretty much take a look at, if, if you're doing your own individual stock investments, take a look at your, your uh, batting average. You know, batting average is, is, a, it's a, is a measurement. You can go to Morningstar.com and pull this up, and it's the number of periods that the product, meaning your individual basket of stocks, ha- out, has outperformed the benchmark. So, so how, how, how often do you outperform the benchmark um, of, of, your, of, excuse me, of what you're trying to invest in for your investment objectives? Take a look at your batting average, and, and it will tell you how much value you actually are adding to yourself when it goes to managing your investments. You they know? don't actually call that a batting average, though. It's called a yes, they do. Really? I'm looking at it right here on a my computer batting screen. Average. I'll flip the screen around and show you. Yep, Amazing. yep. It's it's right here. It's it's uh, you know what is what is the batting average? And and you take a look at it. So you can look at your mutual fund, and you can say what's the batting average of the mutual fund? What's the batting average of my ETF? What's the batting average of my own individual stock and bond selection when when I'm doing it myself? And I have my own, uh, 
uh, you know, in, in investment portfolios. I've got this picture, this little baseball picture with your, you know, Larry Rosenthal on it and his batting average for all of his, <laughs> for all of <laughs> his funds go. and everything in my face now. Is that, is that hey, Chris, cool? can you put uh, put the caller on hold here and I can pick him up? Uh, yeah, he's still still talking to him for one oh, second. Oh, okay. But yeah, yep. he'll be Sorry. ready. No worries. Yeah, so so um, uh, so so that's one thing that you can really take a look at is is grade. The basket of investments that you have, it's called the batting average. You go Again, go to Morningstar.com or just Google it up, batting average for investments. <laughs> if you do batting average, you might get a lot of baseball players. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's pretty neat. Let's, uh, let's shoot on over to Maryland and welcome Rick on the line. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Well, I have two questions, and if you have the time, um, first question, basically, we have a home. And we owe 230000 on it. And in my area, there is a train line coming, okay? The home right now is valued at 350000 My question is, uh, if we refinance, do we get that value or that difference? Or does that go into equity? Or is it smarter to wait until the train line comes and then sell the house? So, so I don't understand the first part of your question. If you refinance, do you get what equity? What do you mean? Like, if you refinance and pull all the equity out of your home? Right, right. Okay, so we owe two thirty. The uh -huh. house is worth three fifty. So, uh -huh. if we refinance to two thirty, are we? Where, where's where does that difference go? The value does it does it come to us or does it? Um, By refinancing I mean, the two thirty. Are you just wanting to get to lower your interest rate to get a lower interest rate, or do you want to pull the money out? That's my basically that's my question. I, can I pull the money out? And not do I have to pay that back? Well, no, you don't have to pay it back. You're just taking the loan against your home. So right now you owe two thirty. So suppose you do a refi cash out, and suppose you cashed out thirty thousand dollars, right? Now you would right. owe. You, you you would refinance so 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 you have you have you have a hundred and twenty thousand dollars of equity in your house. Basically, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So if you refinance the the mortgage balance that you owe right now, and you pulled out twenty thousand extra, then you would oh. you would have a hundred thousand equity in your home and put twenty thousand in your pocket. Okay, that's that's what I, that's what I want to know. So now. Now, knowing that, should I refinance now or just wait until the value of the house is greater? Because the reason that it went to 350 is because of the train line that hasn't even been built yet. So what is your objective? Is your objective to pull some money out of the house to use it for something else? Well, well my objective is to make the best financials and smartest decision whether to pull it out now or to wait and sell it and get and get more more out of it, because I, I'm not I'm not um, I mean that that's the goal to sit at the table and pull as much money out as possible. Whether we sell it in 2020 when the train is arriving, or whether we get it now and then just live there and let let that be our forever house. So if you were to pull the money out of the house now, what would you do with it? Well. You know, basically pay some bills, do some um, improvement, maybe, you know, um, put some money inside for college. So I, I would I would say this. It looks to me like we need to, to get you um, sort of organized as to 
how you want to manage the equity in your home versus okay. how it drops into your other bills and and your cash flow aiming towards college and retirement planning. Here's the story, Rick. Equity in your home, it's an asset class. There, there's no doubt about it. Real estate is an asset class, and there's nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home, okay? And okay. what you're talking about here is, is possibly what's called a strategy of an equity exchange where you're going to refinance, cash out money, and exchange the equity that's sitting inside your, your home, wood, bricks, mortar, and steel, and move it somewhere else. Whether you move it into college funding, whether you pay down some bills with it, or whether it sits in the bank or, or, or something like that, we have you have to have a plan in place for it because what you're essentially doing is you're is you're taking the equity today and you're reemploying it. But by doing that, you're going to have an increased mortgage payment. And then you right. take a look. Then you take a look down the road. And in, in when you said 2020, when the train comes, well, yeah. what happens if the train comes? But at that point, the economy goes into a recession. Your mm. property values may not go up. Okay. So therefore, okay. you've you've pulled money out, and your property values might stay the same. Now you're strapped with a higher mortgage payment monthly, and at the same time, if you took this equity out of your home, you may be paying off, you know, bad credit card debt or something like that. I don't know what the situation is. Obviously, uh, that'll right. help you on the monthly cash flow. On the other hand, what happens if you pull the money out? The economy's fine. The train comes, and now your property values go up even higher. Now you've created more money just because the value of the property went up. So there's a, okay. there's a handful. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so That's so Rick, good. there's a handful of different ways to really look at this. But since you don't really seem to have a concrete plan in place, my suggestion would be: let me send you out our financial planning toolkit. Let me have you sit down or, or speak with one of our advisors on the phone. And and then he or she can help you sort of map through what this what this plan is of yours because ultimately at some point down the road you're going to have college funding bills come in and you're going to have the retirement staring you then me and everybody else in the face as to hey am I going to retire with a mortgage am I going to retire with my home paid for what are our goals in this area because you you want to make sure that you're not using the equity in your home as an ATM card to go on vacations with and things like that just because the value went up doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have free money. What it, what it could mean is we could use this money to further our financial goals and objectives for our family down the road if we use it properly. Okay. okay. Now, okay. now do, do you have time for one more, a quick one? Yes. Okay. The company I work for, they allow us to buy stock at a 15% discount. And over the past year, I was able to sell some stock, and I took out – some money. What I noticed is that within two months, the money started going back up. And what I'm what I'm thinking in my mind, because I really don't know a lot about it, but you know, should I throw more money at it, or should I just kind of be, you know, uh, calm and just do forty dollars a week? Because right now I buy you know two shares a month, but that's doing well. I don't want to just say like throw a whole bunch of money at it. And then you know, but the, but the company is stable. The company is 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 in Fortune 400, Fortune 500. So you know, what would be the smartest thing to do with that? So Rick, here's the deal. Okay, stocks tend to go up the way a stairs a staircase looks. 
And what I mean by that is they, they, go, they go up for a period of time, and then they go sideways for a period of time. They don't grow. Okay. And then all of a sudden they go up again. Okay? Okay. So th- they, they tend to do that like a staircase, okay? Now, when they come down, they come down like in an elevator, straight down, okay? So mm-hmm. understand that. So if you have the ability through your payroll system to buy the stock of this company at a 15% discount, that's a huge opportunity. You've got a 15% you know, profit built into each one. And the time to really be buying it is consistently all the time. But okay. if, the, if okay. the stock is going up in value right now and you say, hey, I like this, I can throw more money at it, we should be throwing more money at it all the time. Okay. Be- because good, good, good. It, you're getting you're getting less shares as the price goes up. So so essentially in your in what what your goal would be is for the stock to stay flat the whole time, the next ten years, and you keep buying, 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 and then all of a sudden it shoots way up right before you retire. That's the ultimate goal. So That's so my, goal. my yeah, my 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 uh my, my lesson here is I want you to consistently be buying all the time, um, and if it's a good company when it goes down in price, then you might want to throw some more money at it to get it at a cheaper price. But at the end of the day, this coupled with the conversation about the home equity, coupled with the college funding, adding in retirement planning, are you going to stay in this house? Are you going to sell the house at some point down the road? All that needs to be packed into a financial plan to get a good global look of what of what your goals and objectives are, and that's really where we need to start. Okay. 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 Listen, well, I'm going really to go ahead and put you on hold, and I'm going to have uh, uh, someone reach out to you next week and get get details. I don't want to get the details over the radio here, but get some details right. for you so that we can give you some guidance and direction on it all. All right. All right. Well, enjoy your holiday, and God bless you much. Absolutely, you too. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. With any of your financial planning or investment questions at all, anything on your mind this Memorial Day weekend, go ahead and give us a ring. 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller Your loan is already pre-approved, and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. 
Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Terrell at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Terrell and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show on this Memorial Day weekend with Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in the studio, taking your calls at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure, Chris. Getting back to our sort of financial education weekend here, we're going to talk something now about something called R-Square. So when you're looking at your mutual fund, you can you can look at this number called R squared, and it's spelled out just like it says R dash and the word squared. Reminds me of my and high school algebra class right now. <laughs> exactly, you should see the formula in it. <laughs> so so you know, oftentimes people say, well, you know, how close am I am I to an index? How how do I judge this thing? And again, you can go to Morningstar.com or just Google it up, and, and it'll give you the definitions. But Basically, the R-square is going to reflect the percentage of a mutual fund's movement, okay, when it goes up and down, that can be explained by the movements in its appropriate benchmark. For example, if you have a large company stock fund that, that buys growth and value investing, so it's kind of a blend, that, that, that pretty much mirrors the S&P 500. So you would take a look at the R-squared number compared to the S&P. So when the S&P goes up and down, you can see the movements inside of it. So an R-squared of 100, basically, and it goes from 0 to 100, will indicate that all movements of inside the mutual fund can be explained by the appropriate index, in this case the S&P 500, that it's compared against. So, so when an index fund... Uh, funds that, that invest only in like S&P 500 stocks, its R-squared is going to be very close to 100. On the other hand, if the R-squared of that fund is very, very low, like maybe 35, then it's, then it's going to say, hey, you know what, only 35% of the investments inside this mutual fund <clears throat> can be explained by the S&P 500. So a lot of times people, because they, they see what, what happens in the market, they you know, every day the markets open and close, right, during business hours. You know, what the market do today, what the S&P do, what the NASDAQ do, those are the three most popular indices that people are looking at. The market, the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, and then the NASDAQ. So, so when a lot of people will just default to saying, well, you know, hey, uh, my, my mutual fund's not really following this, that, or the other. That's because what's called is your, your R-squared in the mutual fund might be a little low. So when you want to really understand how or what your mutual fund is tracking, take a look at the number next to R-squared, and if it's below 70, then find the appropriate index, Okay then it might not be the S&P 500. It might be the, the World Stock Index or the Small Company Index or something like that. So it's very important to understand that you're always comparing apples to apples. And a lot of times, I get this a lot when I'm, when I'm talking with a new client. We sit down and we look at things, and they start talking about you know this, that, and the other. And I go, well, it's all based off of what's called your R-squared. A lot of people go, what's an R-squared? I've never heard of an R-squared. How does it work? But basically, the R-squared is a very 
reliable number that lets you compare the appropriate index to your basket of stocks and bonds inside your, your mutual fund that you have. So check it out. R squared is a, a good number to really take a good look at when it comes to making sure you're, you know, you're comparing apples to apples. It's uh, kind of important there. Moving on a little bit, a lot of people also want to know, you know, how how much up and down does my mutual fund go? And that's something called beta. You know, my industry's got all kinds of crazy names, right? It's also Chris? your heart rate, right? Going up and down all the time. Yep, there you go. It's going up and down based off the stock market, right? So a, a, a risk, beta measures the, the risk of uh, the sensitivity to a benchmark. In other words, if, if the, we'll use the S&P 500 again. If the S&P the 500 has a beta rating of 1.00, so if the, the mutual fund you're looking at or the ETF that you're looking at or the basket of stocks that you own, they collectively have a beta measurement, let's say, of 0.9, that means you're you're functionally 10% less risky than the marketplace, okay? Than than the index that you're comparing it against, and so, <coughs> excuse me, if your beta is uh, 1.25, that will say, hey, I'm I'm 25% more risky than than what's in the in the in, in the benchmark I'm comparing against. So the question becomes then at that point, Chris, well. Is it good, bad, or indifferent? And the answer is yes. It, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you as the investor want. Do you want to have an investment that's a little less risky? Do you want to have an investment that's the same level of risk? Or do you want to have an investment that's a little bit more aggressive, more risky? It all depends on, on you know, how somebody's going to pass their, you know, quote-unquote sleep test at night. If you're laying in bed at night and you're going, man, my investments are too conservative. I need more growth then there's a good chance your beta is low and vice versa. So, so take a look here at the beta measurements of your investments. A lot of people have most of their money saved in their 401k plans or the government TSP. Wherever you're employed, most people save most of their money in those types of plans. And it's very easy for you to look up the different types of, of risk levels in those investments, those ETFs and mostly mutual funds inside your employer's plan. So take a look at the beta rating of everything, and that will let you know and give you a comfort level of how much risk you have or you don't have inside of those mutual funds. You ever had one of those sleep tests before? A sleep test of too risky, too conservative? No, no. just a regular sleep test where they put wires up to you and make you sleep and then they watch you all night. You know, you try to sleep with that. But then they no. have, then they no. have these little uh, they have these little dials that test this and and all of that. It's kind of reminding me of that. When we you, maybe you'll have to do that, see if how, how my risk level is, and just sit there and watch it at night. <laughs> That'd pop, be good. Pop up or goes down. That'd be good. Yep, yep, yep. Sleep test here. All right, all right. You know, I, I think you're more of a belt and belt and suspenders kind of guy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, I, I like both. I like both. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, not nothing at all. I mean, I, I tell you, Chris, the the practical application of this of looking at the R squared and the beta. Is you know you know let's get out of Wall Street speak and bring it to the to 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 real home USA here. You know I work with clients all over the country and with all different risk levels and different perspectives and different understandings of risk. It's very interesting to ask somebody you know well what what you know where are you on the risk scale? Let's say one the most conservative, ten the most aggressive, and they say oh I'm a seven seven and a half easy that's where I want to be, and we measure all their investments and they might be sitting at a four. Or they might say, hey, I'm a four, and then we measure their investments, and they're at an eight. 
You know, a lot of people don't understand the risk that they have or don't have inside their investment. So it's a good exercise to go through with people, and I'm always talking to them about this. But my point is that that there's 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 no right or wrong way on your risk. Too conservative of an investment creates risk as far as spending power, purchasing power. If your investments are are so conservative that they don't keep pace with taxes and inflation, then you're going to lose your purchasing power down the road. So you need to have a balanced mix. You need to make sure that ultimately your dollars will keep pace long term with inflation and taxes so that you can maintain purchasing power. So when you sit down and you take a look at it, and let's suppose somebody says, you know, Larry, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand the math, but I, I still just want to be conservative. I still want to be conservative. That's fine because you, you need to gear your investments so that ultimately one day they're providing you a reliable stream of income in a tax-efficient manner to maintain your standard of living. And so you sort of back into your financial plan taking a look at, all right, look, if, if this is our projected rate of return and income distribution at a certain age, how are we going to manage? Are we going to save more in order to get there? Are we going to retire on less? Are we going to work longer? What are our choices in order to, to do this? And that's where a valued financial plan really comes in because you can sort of gear the investment risk level towards what your um, ultimate uh, uh, time horizons are and, and income needs down the road. So let's welcome Mike on the line. Good morning, Mike. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. Good. How can I help you, sir? Uh, I have a question about uh, timing of moving money into equity mutual funds. Uh, my wife came into a, a substantial inheritance. It's all invested now uh, in, in uh, money market funds um, because that's good the manner it came to her. And we really, uh, she and I have no real need for it because we're financially set ourselves for the rest of our lives. But we'd like to, in essence, invest this for our kids. So in 20, 30 years, uh, when they inherit it, it's in the best uh, investment position for them. So our plan is to move it from the money market into stock uh, mutual funds. Um, but my question is, over what time should we do that? You know, dollar costs average out over time, but what amount of time? Uh, markets are pretty high right now. Um, there's lots of talk about a correction in the near-term future coming when stocks would be cheaper. Uh, what should I do with all that? Mike, that's a great question. It's very well thought out, too. Let me point out this. Since your objective is to invest this for your kids for you know, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, whatever the case may be there, the most important part of this is to make sure that the money's going into investments for their time horizon, okay? Then we want to take a look at saying, okay, do we want to go in lump sum now, since it's for them anyway, or do we want a dollar cost average over time? And then if we dollar cost average over time, do we want it to be six months, twelve months, eighteen, twenty-four, that type of scenario? Okay. So let's exactly. take let's let's sort of unpack a little bit of the of the things that you said in there. You're concerned that the markets are a little high right now. You're fearful of a correction at some point down the road. We're investing the money for your children, not for you and your wife to deliver income for your retirement years, correct? So first thing That's then is go Yep. So first thing there, let's build a portfolio for their time frame. And since the markets are high right now, 
okay, if you believe the markets are going to be higher 12 months from now than they are today, one side of the argument is, why not put it all in? But then again, the other side of the argument is, well, wait a minute, let's take a look at this. Since markets are high, some rules of thumb say dollar cost average all the way in. I'm a big fan right now of new dollars coming in to dollar cost average all the way in, unless you as a client say, no, dump it all in. So there's nothing wrong with doing dollar cost averaging into the marketplace today. When you take a look at the valuations in the S&P anyway, they're Goldilocks, okay? They're not too cheap. They're not too expensive. They're right in line. They're just a hair over the 20-year average forward-looking P.E. ratio right now. So stocks are valued accurately today, okay? So from that standpoint, there's nothing wrong with dollar-cost averaging. The question becomes, if we do go through a pullback, there's a difference here, and it's a very interesting scenario because we're investing the money for your kids, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, whatever the case may be. So if we build the portfolio for them and dollar cost average today, let's suppose you decide, hey, I want to do this over a 24-month period of time, okay, um, or, or a 12-month, whatever, whatever the length of time is, that's fine. So, so the question is if we have a pullback or a recession, Let's break down the difference here because a pullback, we've had eight of them over the last eight years of 5% or more. And they've all been non-associated with a slowing economy. They've been geopolitical risks. They've been fears of this, that, and the other that haven't materialized. So that's just like an adjustment in the market. So if you're dollar cost averaging, and let's suppose next month in June, the market drops 5% for whatever reason, the tariffs, geopolitical issues, whatever it may be, right? Why not buy a little extra that month on the dip? As long as the underpinnings of the economy are still growing, we're still seeing expansion, chances are we're not going to go into a recession. Then when we go in at some point down the road, if we go into a recession, two years, four years, eight years down the road, whatever the case may be, at that point we want to take our principal and get it defensive once we start seeing leading economic indicators roll over and signs of a recession. Take our principal, get it defensive, keep the rest in cash or move to cash, and then buy more when the markets are down, down low. So by doing dollar cost averaging and, and moving the money into uh, a portfolio designed for your kids down the road, you want to basically buy on dips is what I'm telling you. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, when things are cheaper, buy more. Exactly, especially when you've got such a long time horizon down the road. That's exactly the way that I would approach that, Mike. But the biggest thing, the most important thing here is to make sure that you build the portfolio for their their objectives. You know, because, you know, take take a look at, at, at some of the sectors that are, that are going to probably be expanding over their time frame that you're looking to invest this in. Sure, sure. Okay, well, great, Larry. I appreciate the help. It's all well thought out and uh, exactly what I uh, was looking for. I appreciate it. Yep, absolutely, Mike. I appreciate the phone call. Appreciate uh, You have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. Bye-bye. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855 767 
888-253-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. Get on that line right now. You'll have an opportunity to talk to Larry Rosenthal live here in studio, our financial and retirement expert. That is 855-767-3123. Larry. Sure, Chris. So another thing that we want to learn today, and I've got a whole list here of stuff. If anybody wants to get a copy of this list, feel free to give us a ring. Go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot me off an email. I've got everything. I mean, just definitions upon definitions upon definitions. It's a learning Saturday. It is, really. When I prepared for this show, I thought, well, what happens if I just sit up here and read all this? That would would just really be boring and stupid. So are we doing an exam at the end? Because, you know, I'm not good at exams. I can give you an exam. Yep. Okay. I just have one question for you. Oh, please. no. One question. What is it? How far up is up? Uh, yeah, that far. It's that far. There you go. If you can give me the answer to that, then uh, we'll be good. There so, you go. No, hey, but <coughs> next thing is something called upside versus downside capture ratio. What does this mean? Well, it means kind of what it sounds like. It measures the extent to which a manager's portfolio, mutual fund, ETF, or if you're running your own individual stocks, participates in or captures both the upside and downside of the market, okay? So, for example, let's suppose that it has an upside capture ratio, let's say, of 105 and a downside capture ratio of, let's say, 89. What that means is that when the market's up, over the time frame you're looking at, then that mutual fund, that ETF, or that basket of stocks has captured 105% of the market. So if the S&P's up by 10%, it's captured the 10% plus another 5%. Okay? So it's capturing more than what the market actually did during that time frame. That's a wonderful upside capture ratio. On the other side, you take a look at the downside capture ratio. And I said, let's suppose it's 89. That means that when the market drops, it's only capturing or realizing 89% of the loss. So in other words, if the market's down 10%, it's only down 8.9. So you want to try and find a fund or ETF or stocks that give you 
an upside capture ratio close to or exceeding the market and a downside capture ratio that's less than the market. It's kind of a good thing because that lets you roll back in time to see, hey, how's this fund manager done upsides, downsides in good and bad markets? Uh, it's pretty interesting when, when you take a look at these <clears throat> and you sort of spreadsheet them and line them all up and say, you know, well, on here, on this, this scenario, looks like this fund's doing very, very well. But on that side, eh, maybe not. Maybe I can neutralize that somehow, some way by putting in something else. So, again, take a look at your upside and your downside capture ratio in your mutual funds, your ETFs, especially in your 401K plans. You can capture that right on the Morningstar website. Just go there, Morningstar.com, click in your upside-downside capture ratio with the ticker symbols, and and uh, you'll you'll be able to, to uh, pick that stuff up very easily. And again, it's just a way for you to measure the performance of the fund manager, or if you're doing it yourself, the performance of yourself, you know, and, and you, it's good to know, especially since, you know, if you, if you take into the lesson what our last caller was talking about, at some point, we're going to go into a correction, a recession, or something like that down the road. And that's where you want to make sure that all this downside, all these suspenders and seat belts and belts and stuff that we're supposed to be, quote-unquote, wearing are actually functioning Don't forget the parachute. And working. Yes, exactly. That's exactly correct. So, hey, let's branch over here and talk about something a little different today. I've got more and more definitions on all kinds of stuff here. If you want to get a copy of it, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and we can shoot you off some as well. But let's talk about some sectors, different sectors. How do we go into sectors, and what do the sectors mean? You know, there's all kinds of sectors to invest in out there. I'm just talk, going to talk about a handful of the more, you know, popular ones and, and the definitions of them because I hear people messing these up all the time. And, and, again, this falls under the hood of understanding what you own, understanding when the economy moves, when the economy shifts one way or the other, how does that really apply? How does that really affect different sectors of the economy? You know, for example, take a look at basic materials. You know, what, what, are, what is basic materials? What is the definition of basic materials? But they're companies that manufacture chemicals, building materials, pa paper products. Also maybe engage in um, the exploration of uh, commodities, processing commodities. So, so those are the basic material companies. Here's the deal. Now that I understand what basic materials are, when should I or not be investing in basic materials? You know, there, there are interest rate charts out there that show when interest rates go up, stay away from certain sectors, move towards other certain sectors, compare and contrast that stuff. These are questions you should be asking your financial advisor. When you see shifts in the economy, what are you looking at, and how does that affect the different sectors that's inside my mutual funds? And then, oh, by the way, let's tie some of this together. If I have a mutual fund in a, in a basic material sector and the economy moves in a certain way, what's my upside-downside capture relationship with that, with that portfolio, right? Take a good, strong look at that. It's, it's, it's important to understand that. You know, another thing, too, when you look at your mutual funds, there's a, there's a piece of, of the report there's a, the, uh, that, that most people overlook because they just look at it and go, what do all these numbers mean? But it's very, very important because when you, when you buy a, a well-diversified mutual fund and you're looking at a, at a Morningstar sheet, it will break out for you the different sectors that's inside that mutual fund. 
For example, you may have 15% in basic materials, 5% in financial services, 10% in consumer cyclicals, 13% in real estate. How does this fund break out? What's going on in the economy? So these are just some ways that you can sort of boil down your funds. These are things that we look at. These are things that in our investment policy team meetings each month, we just unpack and rip apart the economy and take a look at the effects of what's going on in the economy with all the different sectors that are out there. Another sector is consumer cyclical. Uh, the retail stores, auto part manufacturers, uh, residential construction, lodging facilities, restaurants, hotel entertainment companies, uh, you know, different things like that, anywhere from Ford to McDonald's to uh, news corporation. You know, consumer cyclical, that's another sector too. How do consumer cyclicals do when the economy is expanding? What about when the economy is declining? How do consumer cyclicals do in summer, winter, spring, and fall, right? Take a look at all of that. Where is your mutual fund sitting? How about financial services, uh, banks, savings and loan, management companies, credit companies, investment services, insurance companies, right? So, so, so now with financial services, we, we've just gone through almost 10 years, almost 10 years of interest rates being very, very low. They're, they're still very, very low, right? How is a rising interest rate environment, which we're in right now, going to affect financial services? Stop and think about that, right? You know, banks are going to be able to be – the, the thing that makes banks money is lending at a higher rate and giving at a lower rate, right? It's the arbitrage of the interest rate. So if you're going to take a loan from the bank at 5% and, and then and deposit a CD in the bank at 2%, the bank's winning on that spread, correct? No doubt about it. So with interest rates rising, how is that going to affect the financial services sector? Probably pretty well. You would think about it. So here you can go back and you can take a look inside your mutual fund and you can say, well, I've got a well-diversified mutual fund that covers all these different sectors. Maybe since we're in a rising interest rate cycle, I want to take a piece of my money, just a slice or a sleeve of it, and buy a fund that goes directly into financial services. Again, that comes back to what your risk level is and, and things like that that we were talking about earlier. <clears throat> so lots of different ways to take all this data and break it down so that it makes sense as to why you're investing in certain things and not in others from time to time as, 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 as the economy continues to, to move forward. And more importantly, as you continue to move forward on your calendar, your time frame for college funding, the ski ski condo in Vermont or whatever, the retirement plan, the new home, whatever it may be down the road. Make sure that you understand, know what you own, and understand what your investment objectives are on each one of your investments that you have. So it's pretty important there. Hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm kind of going on and on today, Chris, about these different sector definitions and things like yeah, that. That's important these, stuff. It really is important stuff, and these are the things, these are the building blocks. This is, this is the DNA of, of, of making a financial plan work. It's, it's, the, it's the glue, it's the mortar of, of putting your mutual funds together. You've heard me say for years now, there's always pros and cons to every investment out there. There's an advantage of a, of a, of a real estate mutual fund. There's a disadvantage of it. What's, what factors are happening in the economy that, that makes that thing come to reality of, of being good, bad, or indifferent? 
you know, say, same with an energy sector or industrials or, or communications or whatever it may be. What's happening in the economy? How much of this stuff is inside your, your, your retirement plan? How much of this stuff is there? You know, when you go back and you take a look at modern portfolio theory, it says you should always carry X amount in certain sectors, even if those sectors are out of favor. But I say, you know, well, wait a minute here. And there's a big debate in the industry, always has been. If there's a sector that you know is going to be out of favor for the next 18 months because of taxes or interest rates have shifted or something like that, do you want to sit there in that sector? Do you want 15% of your money in that sector no. for the next 18 months? Or do you want to glide a piece of it out into a place that may be in favor today? You know, that's the difference between passive and active management, taking a look at all these different things and understanding, again, what you own inside your portfolio. It's very, very important. So, so again, give us a ring here, 855-ROSE-123. If you want to get this information, give me a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Better yet, it's inside your investments, which should be inside your financial plan. You listen to Making Money Sense. We'll be back in a moment with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, then uh, go ahead and give us a call at 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Larry? Sure. Let's uh, go ahead and uh, what you want to put... Steve online here, and I'll pick him up since yeah, we just uh, got a couple left here. left here. Yeah, I think he's still talking to him at the moment. Here we go. Yep, let's welcome Stephen on the line. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing well, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great. How can I help you, sir? Hey, I'm a, a military member. I've uh, you know I've had a business school background, believe it or not. Kind of uncommon, but becoming more common in the military. Um, my understanding, you know, I'm a guy who's got a pretty decently long time horizon, uh, invested pretty widely in my opinion, but, you know, the things that I've heard, depending on what metric you're looking at, active management is right about 1% to 5% of the time over a 10-year time horizon or longer. So, yeah, how do you rectify that with, you know, clientele and, you know, that are looking potentially the option of, of active management? Um Stephen, that's a great that, – that, that, let, let me jump in here real quick. That's a great question and a great debate in the industry, and I'm going to give you the answer. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do it live on the air. I'm getting music in my ear. We just have a few seconds left in the show. I need to close the show out. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'll pick you up as soon as I'm done, okay? Thanks. Yep, let me place you on hold. 
Well, appreciate the phone calls this week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Lots of you call my office during the week asking for radio material. Feel free to do so, 855-ROSE-123. So for Josh in the back, Bob's off this weekend. And Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. Happy Memorial Day weekend, and I appreciate all of our armed, I'm sorry, active and retired military people for their service. So uh, 